Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. We, the people, cannot turn Yeah, welcome in to another rousing rendition of Libservative. Lots to cover today. Uh, basically about how uh, Republicans and Democrats need each other. Cons- liberals and conservatives need each other, particularly in the media spaces. Uh, we got Idaho, Corey, blocking or uh, waging Idaho. War. they're waging. Well, OK, that actually kind of makes sense. It kind of fits because they're waging a war apparently on tampons, which is weird. And uh, if Dylan Mulvaney didn't exist, I don't know what the Daily Wire would have to talk about. All that and a ton more coming up. Uh, he, of course, as always, is Corey Walsh. Oh, and he's Dan Griffin. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Two intellectual idiots fostering political and cultural literacy. We uh, we lost your camera here, Corey. What's going uh, on for, oh, you've for Bell the body snatcher. Kidding me? Is it going wrong? Is this is this how it's going to be? Because we're you know what? It's the oh, FBI no. again. It's the FBI coming at us again. It's the wrong there camera, but we'll I take got it. this camera. Jesus <laughs> Murphy. <laughs> yeah, we're back. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I apologize to those just listening as uh, Corey deals live with uh, his technical difficulties. We'll do it live. Uh, Fuck it. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, yes, we will. Uh, anyway, uh, where were we going to start this evening? I did want to start with, uh, obviously, what we're consuming in the cultural sphere. For me, I went ahead and took in the wonderful three-part Netflix series. And I know Bell did as well. Waco American Apocalypse, because this the incident uh, of Waco and the Branch Davidians back in 1993 in the, you know, the ATF and the raid and the fire. And we all we all know the story because it's one of the most infamous stories uh, really in modern American history. But I don't think I've ever seen the story quite told this way. Multiple, multiple former Davidians were uh, were interviewed in this series and you you got some admission uh, for anybody who's lived under a rock and doesn't know what the fuck the Waco story is, uh, essentially, a goofy-ass cult leader that thought he was Jesus Christ duped a bunch of people into going to live in a compound outside of Waco in Texas. He fucked all the guys and all the girls, as cult leaders always do, and uh, apparently had a shit ton of guns, Some, I believe some grenades, you know, some some pretty heavy artillery, and the ATF suspected this cult leader, David Koresh, of modifying weapons, I think was really the first suspicion uh, to make them illegal, right? And so the ATF uh, conducts a raid. David Koresh gets tipped off by the postman, who was also a, uh, a Davidian, and the ATF didn't realize that when they, when they uh, asked about it. And some agents got killed, some Davidians got killed, and it ended up in like whatever the hell it was, an 87-day uh, standoff between the the FBI and the ATF and the Branch Davidians. Uh, David Koresh kept making deals about like how he's going to send people out, and uh, 
the feds go in with what we still believe to be tear gas uh, in through the front of the building. Three random fires get started in various corners of the building. Nobody ever comes out. The building burns down. A bunch of people die. And it was really, it's really viewed as uh, a tragedy from law enforcement overstepping their bounds perspective. Libertarians all over the, all over the country were going, well, you know, we should just be allowed to own whatever weapons we want. You know, if you want to, you want to take the the Spike Cohen perspective, we should be allowed to own tanks and bazookas too. Uh, debatable, but I understand Spike's uh, 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 point there. And but the other side of the story is that David Koresh was also a piece of shit who probably needed to be stopped from harming people. And it's one of those it's one of those stories where like, yeah, it's one of those stories where both things can be true at the same time. And for a long time. Uh, law enforcement involved uh, never really admitted that they did anything wrong. But what was interesting about this particular documentary series is that in hindsight, there was p- retired ATF agents. I think I don't remember who all was in it, but retired law enforcement that was involved there basically admitting like, yeah, we really fucked up that situation <laughs> like royally. Because what I didn't realize was that the negotiators that were speaking with David Koresh and the boots on the ground guys were not communicating well at all. So the negotiators talking to David Koresh were kind of getting him to, to concede some things. Hey, send kids out. And he did like the, yeah, I'll send them out two by two like it's fucking Noah's Ark or some shit. And uh, the people on the ground were bringing in Abrams tanks and playing loud music to try and annoy or, or drive the Davidians crazy and negotiators know that those type of tactics don't fucking work. All they do is escalate the situation. And it was just a huge, it was a huge mess. I was interested in the, uh, um, the interviews with the former Davidians, the actually the last child that was released prior to the building burning down was interviewed. And I didn't really think about it from this perspective, but like, the biggest takeaway I had from her her interviews were she's got really fucking bad survivor's guilt. Like, why in the hell was I the last kid that got released? Right. And you even had certain Davidians that were... I didn't expect this, but in a kind of roundabout way, they still kind of defend David Koresh. They still defend his actions and what he was trying to do. You had that one lady... Yeah. I found that about how it's really not bad that he was sleeping with 12 year old girls because in her mind and everybody else's mind there, girls come to age at 12 years old. Yeah. In their, in their religion. So very, very interesting stuff. So I fucked up and (laughs) everyone was telling me to watch the, uh, the Waco documentary. And I started the one on Hulu and I started the one on Hulu and not Netflix. (laughs) But I mean, so far everything you're saying tracks. <laughs> they said basically the same thing on there, but then I didn't really get to watch that because. Uh, well, what are you drinking, Dan? Me right now, I'm finishing up a uh, a gin and tonic, but I've also got on deck here uh, a uh, little bit of uh, Russell's tenure on Ooh. deck for me to. So okay, okay, should be okay. good. And then I've also got a tall boy of Modelo that I found in the uh, in the, the side of my fridge. So that's gonna Drinking that's gonna cerveza. get hammered. Yeah, uh, that was inappropriate and grotesque toilet humor in the microphone. 
Not at all. What's, but what's causing that is Oberon from Bell's Brewery <laughs> here in Michigan. <laughs> you like that? What are you? Who are you, Dylan Mulvaney for uh, for Oberon today? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Actually, yes, because you can see that's my face clear as day. <laughs> the personalized bottle. Now. You don't know you tell? It looks just like me. So uh, Oberon is a is a Michigan beer. It's a summer beer, and it's like. April 5th, and they just start releasing these seasonals earlier and earlier every year, don't they? I believe so, yeah. I think but you yeah. get Oberon year-round now. Nope, it's still, there's still Oberon It's still day. seasonal, yeah. And I think it is, yeah, it's still, it still comes out at the same time every year, but yeah. So, happy belated Oberon day, everyone, my fellow Michiganders. Mm. I, myself, have had a nice, relaxing four-day weekend. I uh, took the boy to Castaway Bay in Ohio. Northeast of East Palestine by about, I think, like a hundred miles or so. So, being in a water park and water far away from there was still like, eh, but kind of just dealt with it. Suspension of it's chlorinated. You're good. Yeah, it's chlorinated. Yeah, there's a lot of chlorine in it now. <laughs> Vinyl chloride. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I ended up. And while I was there, we had some downtime, and we were in the hotel room. And I ended up watching this documentary about it's just following the this kid who was growing up in Afghanistan, living in the caves during the whole uh, occupancy of the Taliban, then the United States, then the Taliban again. And it was interesting to see just like their life and stuff like that. Like these, like he was talking about how the first time he ever saw a camera, they didn't even know what it was. He was like eight years old, and some he's like some guy was just pointing something at me, and it just didn't stop. <laughs> and like you see this little kid when it shows him this like kind of like side eye and this weird fucking lens thing. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's. Oh, I saw Cocaine Bear. You did. I did yes. not see Cocaine Bear yet. It's actually pretty good. It's funny. Is it like Sharknado, but like better Never seen quality? Sharknado. Never okay. seen Sharknado. Oh, you know the premise of the movie, right? Yeah, some sharks so get bad, pulled up in good. a tornado. <laughs> and then they start terrorizing various cities, depending on if you're on Sharknado 1 or Sharknado 18. Uh, it really revived Ian, Ziering, Ian Ziering's career. Just so Wait, everybody's There's like aware. 18 of those? Oh, yeah. There's a shitload of them. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's like Tremors. <laughs> well, Tremors no, is better. No. At least it had Kevin Bacon. Yeah, the first two are good of Tremors. Third is the that it just kind of goes downhill from there. Yeah. I wonder if like home like home alone. I wonder if Tremors would be canceled today. Why? I don't know. There's literally eight Sharknados. Isn't it? An, isn't, <laughs> it an, isn't Tremors an all white cast? That's why. No, there's Hispanic people in it. Uh, not dark enough. They're in the middle wouldn't, of the wouldn't, desert. Wouldn't qualify. <laughs> uh, are, there's an Asian lady. Yeah, that's right. And that's a, right. Yeah. And a Hispanic lady. And that okay. guy looks Hawaiian. Yeah. <laughs> Bell's over here pulling up the cast. He's on the international right, movie fine. database. That'd be fine. That'd be fine. Uh, he is searching is- the international movie database right now. Tremors is definitely woke enough. When you when you're throwing Samoans in there, you're doing a good job. Doing a good job with the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Good job to the creators of Tremors. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Glad they passed your smell test, Dan. Uh, Corey, the uh, just a couple quick openers. We got the the Wisconsin Supreme Court has now gone majority liberal uh, yeah. after the election. What was it? Uh, yeah, would have been last night, right? Tuesday, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did anybody? Did anybody? It was probably because of those uh, Facebook posts that t- that told Republicans to go out and vote on Wednesday. That had to be what did it. Yeah, probably. That's probably exactly what it was. That goddamn uh, Doug McKay or whatever his name was. We talked about him last week. Uh, that no, no, actually, no. He's the one that told Democrats to vote by mail. It was just the millions of Democrats sharing the meme that Republicans vote on Wednesday that didn't uh, yes. catch a case. That's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, no, I just, we were talking about this a little bit before the show. I just find it interesting that like since Roe v. Wade was overturned, anytime a vote for or against being pro-choice is laid at the feet of the voting, uh, the, the voters, it always seems to go in the direction of pro-choice. It seems that uh, the only states that are trying to pass all these ridiculous like six-week bans and stuff like that are the ones who are already like locked into their position and their seat of power. They're the hurry up and trying to change the legislation. Because even Kentucky, they voted on their peti- on their uh, ballot to not make it a constitutional thing to ban abortion. Now Wisconsin. There's just a bunch of states that are constantly leaning pro-choice which makes sense 70 percent of the country yes 70 percent of the country uh is in favor of roe v wade i think it is or that's the number i don't think that's it we don't uh, maybe bell can find it but i know that the the vast majority of americans support the ability of having access to abortion to a certain point. Right. Everybody's a little bit different on like when that cutoff should be 12 weeks, 15 weeks, you know, like very, I know that very UK, few. Yeah. Very few Americans, countries. very few Americans support an outright ban of abortion. It's, it's a very small yeah. number, something As like 11 or 12%. Them just getting lambasted every time it comes to the vote for the people. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then uh, your boy over here has started kind of, instead of just talking into a microphone about this shit, was collecting uh, some signatures last weekend for ranked choice voting in the city of Royal Oak. Too confusing. Too extreme, Corey. Too confusing. Too extreme. Like proposal two. Yeah. (laughs) No, we got, we got, we're on a good start. Uh, I think they need a total of, geez, I forget the exact number, but it's not hundreds of thousands. It's like maybe one comma. And like four numbers of how many they need to get to put this on the ballot for their uh, for their city, and uh, we're off to a good start. I'm not going to be able to go this weekend. I'll probably go back down next weekend. Hang on the farmers so, market. So if uh, you're local, come say hey. Bell just threw out a, a some Gallup poll numbers. The percentage of Americans who consider themselves quote unquote pro-choice has risen in the past year to 55 percent, its highest level in decades, according to a <laughs> Gallup poll released Thursday. Uh, Gallup surveyed more than a thousand U.S. adults by telephone over three weeks, beginning May second. Uh, the nice. day Politico po- that day uh, Politi- Politico published a draft uh, opinion suggested that the Supreme Court could soon overturn Roe v. Wade. So there you have it. Those are the numbers. But right. That was then. So majority of Americans supported it back then. I mean. Then they overturn Roe v. Wade. 
and now you see even more support. So, right, because I think there's a big difference between people just going, "Yeah, no, I don't want that." When it's like in place, you know what I mean? They like, to be able to bitch about it when it's there to where all of a sudden where it's real and it's tangible that it's not there anymore. They're like, oh, well, maybe, maybe a little bit of that is okay. Well, it's nuanced. And if you think, if you think about it, I mean, I think you and I were kind of in the same boat. You know, we're both certainly pro choice. I think there should be some limits on abortion, right? Like, I don't want you scraping, scraping uh, babies out of, uteruses you know when they're two weeks away from being born you know i think a lot of uh, most all of a sudden you made the decision to not have it yeah yeah Yeah, well yeah of course if there are there are medical reasons or whatever uh, that's of course different but yeah and so but i i still think but that number like that just just for the listeners oh it hardly ever the people the percentage of the people that you're saying that about is like equivalent to the percentage of people who get abortions because of rape it's like like, yeah it was like it was like like, yeah uh, it was like uh, conservatives uh, wanting to push out the whole. Do you have you have, are you are you familiar with the late term abortion problem? I was like, you're making this up. This isn't a thing. Yeah. This isn't a problem. Most doctors are ethical in that way. They're not going to perform an abortion on an eight month old fetus. Nobody right. does that, unless of course there There's is some medical legitimate issue. medical reason right. to. But have, at that have point, that even happen. you could do an emergency. Uh, Right, like the emergency induction. induction of, yeah, you could try to yeah. you could try to save the premature baby. Of course, yeah, that, and that's generally yeah. how it goes. And that's yeah, like ninety nine percent of the time, that's how it yeah. goes. Yeah, that's so really like it's it's an interesting argument because both people use two numbers of uh, something that virtually doesn't happen to defend their case when it's like, you know, like how about we just let women have say over their own bodies? Yeah, it's anecdotal, and and you know both sides are guilty of this on various political issues. It's the use of, of an anecdotal story to prove a broad point. And it just absolutely, absolutely doesn't work. No, uh, interesting. So, so that, that uh, poll that uh, uh, Bell brought up was a, a Catholic poll. That's the Knights of Columbus poll. He mentioned that after. Yeah. Yeah. 61%. No, this, is new, this is an updated poll. The Knights of Columbus, a Catholic charity organization designed to bring financial aid and assistance to those in need, released an annual poll Wednesday concerning Americans' opinions on abortion alongside Marist College, a private liberal arts college in New York. The 2023 poll found that 61% stated that they identified as pro-choice. And that's Brand, coming they took from... The poll in a different location. Because when all of a sudden it's faced pro-life is not allowing any of this and pro-choice is being a little nuanced about it. They're like, oh, maybe I am pro-choice. Yeah. So the Wisconsin Supreme Court election, big win for progressives. I think I think this is another politically plural, decent win um, when it comes to uh, balancing out state Supreme Courts and the Supreme Court in general. Because, and, and here's why, especially in a state like Wisconsin, which it, I, I if I, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe Bell can find this for us as well. But I do believe Wisconsin is the singular most gerrymandered state by Republicans in recent memory. Yes, yes. So <clears throat> the Supreme Court judge that just won the two things that she ran on actually it was being pro-choice and ending gerrymandering. Yeah. And so again, if you if you support political pluralism, you know, it I I like the idea of switching the balance of power 
If it's too liberal, I want a little bit more conservatism in that spot. And if it's too conservative, I want a little more liberalism in that spot. I just want competent people. They're not even yeah, to label. Um, but you know, not even in the top five for most gerrymandered. No. And what's interesting is is uh, when we uh, when Roe v. Wade was first overturned and everyone was freaking out. You and I both were like, "Holy shit, this is a big deal." But we were talking about how it gives the opportunity of the people to have more say in their states versus the federal government actually making this making this mandated for everyone. And we said it's going to get sloppy. It's going to get really scary. A lot of people are going to lose their rights. But when the chips fall, because we're giving more power to the people, we might actually see uh, um, like this actually be like a net positive for the American people. Because now, before it was just everything was based on this precedent of a law. Now a bunch of states are actually codifying it into their constitutions to where it's fuck the federal government in our state. This is what we believe. This is now the law. And it just, okay. it's interesting to see it developing as, uh, as time goes on. Okay. So bell shared a, a rant piece that, uh, is, is this old bell? Cause I'm, I'm seeing, I don't know. I'm, these are the top links. Compactness score from, this from 2014. Utah, Texas, Lu- Louisiana, is that Arkansas, Kentucky, West Virginia, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Maryland are the ten most gerrymandered states. Is this is this overall though, or is this from a certain point? Because I think the Wisconsin point was for uh, like recent memory, like within within the last decade. I don't. know. It doesn't matter. It's not really something. It's not really well, a hill to die on. But here's here's a here's their definition. So gerrymandered is defined as setting boundaries in electoral districts to give the political blah, blah, blah. We, we know that. But yeah, so it looks like the, this is like an overall gerrymandering score. Yeah. It's probably going to be hard to find. So here's the, uh, the uh, graph that we're looking at right now. It is for 2023. And the 10 most states are, yeah, Arkansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, North Carolina. Interesting. The inception of gerrymandering comes from when minorities were able to start voting. Mm-hmm. So if anybody yeah, I guess, that's listening doesn't know. Not really, uh, not really a hill I'm willing to die on, but uh, Wisconsin no. is gerrymandered and we want to end it. Regardless, oh, yeah. so <laughs> we're, we're still going to take this uh, as a victory. Well, Michigan oh. just passed a law to end gerrymandering. So, so off we'll we go. see how that goes. Um, yeah, so off we yeah. go. Uh, politic- political pluralism, the Wisconsin uh, Supreme Court race was a, a win, in my view, for uh, political pluralism. And just a little quick mention of more political pluralism. Uh, conservatives wanting to say, I think maybe that this means a little bit more than it actually does. Uh, but the Chicago uh, mayoral race uh, was won by was won by the progressive candidate Brandon Johnson. However, uh, it went to a runoff against a uh, essentially a pro cop Democrat, uh, and and it, and it was really close. So I, I think that what that I think what that tells you is uh, Chicago is it Chicagoans Chicagans I don't know. Uh, sorry for not knowing that, but uh, Chicagoites. Really, uh, chicks. Chicagoites, chicks. Really, why does really, that sound racist? I said chicks. 
No, I said chigs. <laughs> and then I said, why does that sound racist? Watch your mouth. All I said was... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say it again because it might be racist. I don't know. It wasn't. Uh, my, it's not my intent. It does sound like a, like a fictional racial slur, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like muggle <laughs> from Harry Potter. Uh, I immediately yeah, so, thought of the the bugs in the south that burrow into your feet. Chiggers. <laughs> no, I didn't say it. Bell did. Brandon Johnson, uh, the progressive candidate, <laughs> barely won. Who, by the way, is the uh, <laughs> the racially minority candidate, if that means anything to anyone. Uh, but I, I think what it means is that people from Chicago are getting kind of sick of the violence. And I think that is really why, really what was Lori Lightfoot's downfall in the first place? Because she just denied it. She denied that it was a problem. She made up bullshit numbers about how uh, crime is not a big problem uh, in Chicago. And what we also know is that... Uh, traditionally and there there are obviously other factors that go into this but it seems like when you lower police presence it tends to affect minority groups negatively more than anyone else now obviously this is another discussion for another day i don't think i think i speak for Corey and bell on this as well correct me if i'm wrong we are certainly not pro policing in this country we're certainly not pro law enforcement we have a pretty libertarian stance on that but the data as the system is set up now does show that when you reduce a police presence uh it, it, particularly in lower income areas it has a more negative effect on poor people yeah i don't want to necessarily go ahead bell i was gonna say you could just say you're pro society yeah it's not that i just say you want to see no police I just want to see the police stop fucking with people over trivial shit and worrying about the actual like criminals who don't just not just people who own guns and going after them but going after people who are using guns in a legal matter in, in illegal matter if that makes sense i want what's up bright nice i want to see uh police not being called to a mental health crisis with someone who's severely on the spectrum where they end up just killing that person i want to see accountability when cops fuck up there are certain in the in dense populated areas there tends to lead to more crime because there's more people and you know and it's it's uh I want accountability, transparency. Yeah. Obviously yeah, less police isn't doing it, but how about police fucking with people less and being trained better? And Mayor uh, Mayor elect Brandon Johnson of Chicago did clarify that he he does support law enforcement, but he aims to focus funding on boosting the rank of detectives. I'm not really sure what that's supposed to accomplish. Maybe somebody can explain it to me. But more importantly, investing in mental health response teams. Oh, that um, means actually probably solving murders. Yeah, and it, it it's got it's got a little bit of an Eric Adams in New York flair to it. Um, not quite that. Uh, not quite as pro cop, I would say, but I think he does recognize that Lori Lightfoot's uh, strategy was atrocious, and you know you could still be you could still be a progressive mayor, and at least I don't know who knows what he's going to do, but at least pretend like you care, and at least admit that the, that that crime in Chicago is a problem. So we'll see what happens there. You know, 
it, it's it's an interesting thing. I don't think you know folks on the right want to want to sit and pretend like the fact that this runoff election being so close means that like suddenly big cities like Chicago and L.A. and and New York are suddenly going to swing to the right. I think that's ridiculous. That's certainly not going to happen. But I think what it also shows is is that there's issues that that people care about. They want it fixed and it better get fixed, even if it's by progressives. So I did a quick uh, search in in WTTW. Uh, they say the homicide clearance rate in lower Chicago in lower Chicago is about fifty percent. So that's murder solved, correct? Yeah. So f- only fifty percent of the murders are being solved. So when you're in a city, you know, and let's say you want to fucking kill someone, you have a fifty fifty percent chance of being caught. You don't think people take things like that into account when they go off mm-hmm. and do wild shit? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. So hiring, know is- so bo- bolstering uh, detectives to actually go out there and try to do a clearance rate and things like that. It makes sense. Before you move on, would it be progressive to repeal laws and run a campaign on repealing laws instead of running a campaign on writing <laughs> laws and spending more money and doing all these things? That's called a libertarian. Yeah, I was. Well, <laughs> it's not just that, but I would say that like it, it depends on what the law is, right? Right. Because so, I like, think that uh, repealing Patriot Act would be pretty progressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, repealing gun laws would be really conservative. So it, it just depends on the law. It's like that's that's what I think that's what makes us so frustrated overall in general when it comes to our legal system is that it's it, it's actually become politicized. Yeah. Depending on what law you're bringing in or what law you're repealing, it's going to be based on whatever social political silo you happen to fall in. And that's just not how that's just not how we should be determining what's legal and what's illegal. Hell yeah. So on to the next progressive from a from a definitional standpoint sure i guess it would it would invoke progress if we repealed some laws yeah yeah uh, yeah it's being a progressive just invoking progress and if that's getting rid of draconian draconian laws right that would still be considered progressive laws that turn people into felons and they, yeah they Corey? Be. what what do you want <laughs> <laughs> Trump pleads not guilty to 34 counts of bad bookkeeping. Oh, uh, boy, here we go. In New York. Is what is what this has turned out to uh to really be. And look, I, I've taken a few things away from this, right? Good day to you, fellow intellectual idiots. If you're this far into the show, we're guessing that you probably like it. So we'd just like to ask you to hit pause and on whatever platform you're listening, just leave us a quick review. It really does help us grow and gives us an opportunity to bring you even more great content in the future. And we'd also like to ask you to just press that share button and just send this episode to one friend that you think might be interested in our line of conversation. The best way for podcasts to grow in the sea of millions of podcasts really is through word of mouth. So every little bit helps and we appreciate you all. So let's get back to the show. First of all, 
I don't know if I should say this first because it's probably going to lose us some listeners because it's going to piss a few people off. But <laughs> don't don't get me wrong, we'll come around on this. Uh, Democrats never learn. Like this is this is the this is the the first takeaway that I had from this. They are they are so caught up in getting Trump on something that it just doesn't even matter how they get him, and everybody wants to get him. And Alvin Bragg is the first to be able to at least have an opportunity, whether or not this case will, I have a feeling it's going to I don't flounder. think it's, it's yeah, it's going to flounder. Uh, but he, he, he was the one that had the first opportunity. But the problem here is the fact that there are better cases that actually have a chance to stick. That are, that are waiting, discredited. That are waiting in the wings. But now since you've, you know, like Trump can be a criminal and a bad person and a piece of shit and somebody that we want to go away. And it can also be a witch hunt. And I think it is both things. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, so my my take on everything that's happening right now is you hear a lot of people talking about, oh, it's political. Oh, this sets bad precedents. Oh, this, this, and that, and this, and that. And so the what where I'm sitting at right now, like seeing how this happens, first off, seeing Trump go down like this, it feels hollow. It feels super hollow. I don't like the guy. But seeing him like, oh, we finally fucking got him on a fucking bookkeeping thing. Like we've been told for the last six years that he's the most corrupt, the biggest criminal. Uh, he's the worst president we ever had. And we're going to knock him out Al Capone style on basically yeah, some sort of that like was gonna white be, collar crime. That was going to um, be my thing. It's like it feels like getting Al Capone on tax evasion. That's yeah, it yeah. Like it's, right it's, it's, it feels like bullshit. Is it political, though? Absolutely. This is fucking political 100% because what they're going after him on is stuff that thousands of these other fucking politicians have done. Mm-hmm. And But at the same time, when they say it sets bad precedents, I disagree because the precedent that's being set is, yes, we can go after people regardless of who they are and regardless of their power in this country. Now, it's a bullshit, you know, It also shows case. that we don't. But yeah, and that's right there. That's what makes it political because it shows that we don't, that we have the manpower to do this on people that we want to, but we have all of these cushy elitists that are just insulated inside their little shells that can't be touched for insider trading, right? From Nancy Pelosi to Dan Crenshaw. We have all of these people who do illegal things all the goddamn time from DUIs to fucking tax evasion insider trading there's so many goddamn politicians that do this kind of shit left or right republican democrat i don't give a shit but for some reason trump is the one that we have to take down and i think that's what pisses me off about this because when this happens you're gonna get all these people like just dusting their hands off going we fucking did it we saved democracy when meanwhile you have thousands of these other people who are doing the same shit he did they're just not as loud about it and i hope that this precedence that's being set has fruition of taking down just (laughs) fuck it yeah everybody so i'm gonna tell you why i think uh, why I, I appreciate your sentiment on that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why I think you missed the mark. And this is not an original idea. 
excuse me. Sorry, I'm getting over a getting over the tail end of a cold here. But um, Ryan Grimm from Counterpoints made a really, really great point on the live broadcast that he did with uh, Crystal and Sager as Trump was kind of walking into the prison or whatever, or the prison. Uh, and when he showed up to New York, I'm like, I'm getting ahead of myself. So he brought up a great point that charges like this, that, it, you know, it's based on, you know, tawdry stuff, right? Like him paying off a porn star, you know, stuff that typically a politician isn't going to do, although they have in the past. Uh, you think of, obviously, you think of, uh, what's his nuts? John Edwards. Um, you think of what happened with 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 Bill Clinton. But more often than not, cool, like, these things, these things, these things don't really occur. So it's 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 trying to get him on a crime that kind of insulates the establishment. Does that yeah, make okay. sense? Yep. No. Nope. So, I listen to that same thing. Yeah. Exactly. So if you try and if you try and if you try and charge him with something like you know something real like uh, insider trading or you know any of the things top that you secret about, documents. Well, now that sets a precedent that you have to go after everybody else in the establishment that's done that, and they don't want to set that precedent. They right. just want to get Donald Trump. So yeah. did he commit a crime? It, like yeah. every every single legal analyst on the left and the right, Republicans, Democrats, they all agree that, yes, he committed a state misdemeanor here. Like if that was the charge and that was what you were going after, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I don't it's it's trying to bump this thing up to a to a felony based on flimsy legal theory just so that you can be the one that quote unquote nails Trump. Right. That is what's gross to me. Yeah. That's and what again, I don't like. Again, for our listeners, this is coming from people who fucking hate, hate Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah. I hate his policies. I don't like what he did to our country. He created this huge, he just injected this. He took the little bit of murmurs of divisiveness in this country and threw it into steroids. Now, granted, it makes everyone pay attention to politics. It was in 2016 when I first started paying attention to politics. And it, but yeah, it's it's the it's clear as day. But when you look at it, when you back up 3000 feet and you see how people like Doug McKee over tweeting that you could just text the vote and they're coming after right wing people on this versus not left wing people who told Republicans to vote on a Wednesday. There's, there's, there's politicization, there's politicization happening in our department of justice. And now, now, you know what we're going to see now we're going to see the right, just trying to attack the left and do the same thing once they get back in power. And then it's just had Matt Walsh today. Talking yeah. about how oh the the liberals uh, they took their shot and they missed and now we're gonna have to start prosecuting and I'm like okay so Republicans like to say that uh, this turns us into a banana republic and then the next thing they say is that we need to start prosecuting Democrats for their crimes very much like we talked about I'm still with, here. Uh, <laughs> We lost Corey Scammer for a minute, but he's still here. Uh, you know, just like the whole the whole lock her up campaign, right? Like these two these two fucking sides, they just keep going back and forth on this stuff and acting like for some reason theirs is justified and the others is wrong. And we just keep having this this issue. Do we lose Corey permanently, Bell? <laughs> All right. Looks like we lost Corey and Bell uh for just a moment. Oh, here here he comes. 
He's coming back. He's back. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened. I had set my phone down on my desk and I must have hit a USB uh, cord. Dude, it's the FBI, man. It's the FBI. Just, They're coming at us. Probably. You, you know they're reaching. I wish we had that cloud. <laughs> <laughs> One day. And they're charging him with the lowest class of felony in the state of New York. Mm-hmm. Which is only maximum sentence of four year four years in prison. Mm-hmm. And so, for for those who who don't really understand, I'm going to explain this as not a legal scholar, kind of a moron, just kind of how I know it. Intellectual it's like old intellectual idiot, intellectual idiot, right? So, so essentially, the what they're going for is to charge Trump with with what is what would generally be a misdemeanor but it can be bumped up to a felony if that misdemeanor is committed uh as a cover up for a federal crime okay now here's what makes that stupid the federal crime in which they are saying trump committed or or the the, the, the committed the misdemeanor to cover up that supposed federal crime the doj already decided not to charge him with so now you're you're and this is what I don't like about this precedent, Corey. Now now we're able to bump up misdemeanors to felonies for cover-ups for crimes that weren't even charged. That's what's that's is that not a little fucked up? Yeah, it is. It's so like if it was a situation that's why it all DOJ, feels hollow to me. Like I'm not like yeah. oh, I want to see Trump in handcuffs so bad, but not for the sake of just compromising our own legal system. That's why it feels like a banana Republic thing, right? Yeah, That's why it feels like you're just trying to get Trump on anything that you can possibly get him on. I want him gone <laughs> on real shit. It's That's like what I want. First, it's like when in first place a track because you were in second and the guy in front of you tripped. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh. then, and then you win and it's like, Hey, I, I won. Oh, dude. It's it's brutal and and it gives so much less uh, fervor to or at least at least from the at least in the court of public opinion, particularly from actual Trump supporters who you know the whole I could shoot a man on Fifth Avenue and not lose any voters with a certain segment of the United States population. Trump is absolutely right about that. Uh, but like man, you have you have the documents case, and again the documents. It's not necessarily that he had the documents where the DOJ might actually have a federal case. It's the it was the, the block. It was the obstruction and the blocking of federal investigators that was the actual issue. You have the Georgia case, which is better than this one, but I still think a little bit flimsy because it's really kind of a hearsay case. I mean, we do have obviously the audio um, of Trump talking to Brad Raffensperger. We we do have that. But again, it's 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 vague language that could be interpreted various different ways. I just ways. need twelve thousand votes. <laughs> you can't find those for me. Yeah, go. You know, so like if Trump on that call had said something like, uh, "I need you to, uh, uh, I need you to get these votes by any means necessary," or "I need you." Yeah, to it was it. that phone call was virtually similar to his phone call with uh, Zelensky. Oh, the perfect phone like, call. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could. There's no problem. I can get you those weapons, but you got to do something for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, because he's a crook. And we know he's a fucking crook. That's mm-hmm. the thing. But like, and like we're just going to get him on some <laughs> fucking faulty bookkeeping. And he's really, really good at it. 
And guess what? No one's buying it because his... So, now this is a Trump internal poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a recent... Or a, okay, so in a recent ABC News Ipsos poll, 62% of Republican voters said Trump should not have been charged, though overall, a polarity of voters, 45%, believe that charges were in order with regards to the nomination a new yahoo news yougov poll showed trump lapping desantis soundly by 26 points 57 percent to 31 percent in a one-on-one contest he, and he enjoys a commanding 20-point lead uh and an internal polling memo of reporters conducted over the previous two days after news broke of the former president's indictment, a survey of a thousand likely voters. He led the Republican primary field by double digits with his closest competition, Florida Gov Ron DeSantis, trailing by 30 percentage points, up 12 points from January. And according to the same polling, Trump leads President Biden 47 to 43 percent among Republicans and 65 percent say they want the former president to run again. His uh, his polling. I mean, his uh, donations had just gone straight through the goddamn roof. This put a fire under his ass. Uh, Ryan Grimm and uh, Sager and Crystal and I forget uh, homegirl's name. But uh, they they were all talking about how his speech after the indictment was like a 2016 type speech. He had fire under his ass. He was like ripping and raring, ready to go. And they were calling it. This was his his uh, his. Uh, his speech to announce, announce. his running, yeah, yeah, his candidate announcement for candidacy speech, not his one back in what was that uh, January? Well, yeah, and it and it kind of speaks to something that we talked about not that long ago, right? Like the uh, the Democrats want him to run, right? Because we, we we talk about here we go. This guy, I see, Dad. We need to like just put a fucking blue screen up for 45 minutes so we can get pe- so we can get our homies in here hopping in oh great just what the docs are ordered two stoners with their hot takes hey buttheads ron paul tried to save us but no and that's the thing i, I still don't think he gets it because we were like yeah no ron paul absolutely had it. <laughs> like, yeah, we're, we're actually remarkably libertarian but <laughs> yeah, if you find out. um so <laughs> God damn it. I forgot what I was going to say. God damn it. Equalizing distort. Please follow the, the way, fucking show. By the way, I, <laughs> by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't smoke weed. Booze is my vice. Oh um, yeah. No. So yeah. So, so what I was going to say is like Democrats want Donald Trump to run. I mean, we, we talked about this not that long ago. They still feel like he's the most beatable candidate. I think, I, I think they haven't learned anything. They have a 50, 50 crap shoot. <laughs> They haven't learned. They haven't learned anything from 2016. They just because we had talked about what what, what were we talking about this? We were talking about uh, I don't know, but it has to do with the fact that he's the most beatable candidate. So on one side, on on one side of their mouth, they want to say that he's you know the most dangerous, uh, you know, bigoted, horrible human being. But then on the other, but, but they, they never say the quiet part out loud, which is that we also think he's the most beatable candidate. And so it's almost he's, like, so how much of thing. this, how much of this, so what's the percentage? So how much of this is, is that, you know, Alvin Bragg and progressives or Democrats or whoever the hell they are, people that hate Trump, whatever, how much of it is that they want him arrested 
and how much of it is that they want to play on the clout that he's going to get with his base, not only his base, but also people that are kind of more leaning towards him. How much of it is, is that they want to get them more galvanized so that he defeats DeSantis in a primary? Mm-hmm. Because they know DeSantis would run the floor with Biden, even though DeSantis scares me a hell of a lot more than uh, Trump does. I don't know. Well, you know, here's the thing. They like Trump around because Trump's good for Trump, but he's not good for the Republican Party. He's also good for Rachel Maddow. He's also good for CNN. He's good for news ratings, sure. Uh, But in 2016, under Trump's administration, they lost the House and the Senate. In 2020, or no, I'm sorry, no, in 2016, before people really knew who Trump was, I'm sorry, I got my numbers mixed up. Trump came in, Republicans win the House, Republicans win the Senate. Mm -hmm. 2018, they lost both the House and the Senate, I believe. They lost just the House. Just the House. The Senate became almost, uh, it was like, it was super close. It was 51-49. Yeah. 2020 comes along, Democrats win the House, they win the Senate, they win the presidency. Mm -hmm. 2022 comes along, they keep the Senate, they lose the House. They have the presidency, but then all of also in all like the state votes and anything like that, they would just attach Trump's name to people, and then they would lose. Mm-hmm. Granted, Democrats outside of, sh- outside of JD Vance, JD Vance was yeah. the only one that really that won. Yeah, granted, the Democrats spent millions and millions of dollars propping up the crazy mega people because they knew they could beat him in a general. That's Except- what it was. That's what we were talking about. I couldn't remember. You refresh yeah. my memory. Oh yeah, yeah. They 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 do. They spend money propping up uh, people who are Trump sycophants uh, to get them into the general to try to beat them. And it worked. But, uh, and it worked. Did thank work. God, <laughs> because yeah. I don't want any of those crazies in there. Just like I wouldn't want any crazies like fucking. Rashida but you know Tlaib what though? Or... Here's here's what scares me though. It like it like if you if you are a really super Trump hater, here's what should scare you. Uh. I think all of those candidates, there's one difference between them and Trump. You know what that is? What? They're not actually Trump. Yeah, they don't have that cult following. DeSantis Trump doesn't have a is cult a, following. Is a, Trump is a different animal when you're talking about the actual person. And like, yeah, I really hate the idea of a Biden-Trump uh Another Biden Trump election, not just because I hate Trump, but also because I hate Joe Biden. And, well, and when it becomes when it comes down to Trump and Biden, my candidate's going to lose anyways, so it doesn't matter. That's very true. Might as well. And we don't even know who that's going to be yet. Is it going to be Dave no, Smith? I just know it's <laughs> not going to be Trump or Biden. Is it going to be Dave Smith? Is it going to be uh, Spike Cohen? If it's Spike Cohen, I'll vote for him. I'll vote, I'll vote for Spike, for Spike as well. Fuck, man. man. If it if it's Trump, Biden, or Marianne Williamson, I'll vote for fucking Marianne Williamson. Yeah. I don't agree with most of her shit, but she at least can string together a coherent sentence. I know that the bureaucracy isn't going to allow her to put any of her extreme views in. We saw that with Biden and we saw that with Trump. The very least is we could have someone who just seems to have all of their shit together. Yeah. Why aren't people more interested in like having like a libertarian? It doesn't even have to be libertarian, but like a third party president. And like a a Republican Senate and a and a Democratic House or a 
Democratic House and a Republican Senate, like literally have all three of these. Uh, well, both branches all split three ways. You're talking about some three ways there, Dan? <laughs> Only if Nancy Pelosi's titties are available. God My goodness. God, God fucking <laughs> damn it. How to ruin a man's day. You haven't talked about her titties in like three months. <laughs> well, they haven't really been in the news, Corey. So yeah, it's, it's difficult. God. You all know how we forget. <laughs> Dan loves them liver spotted titties. Because <laughs> they're mean, perfectly I know. placed. The nipple to boob ratio. I know, I know they are probably like, it, they're probably like, there's probably some fucking Snapchat filters on those things. I know they can't be, I know they can't be exactly what they really look like when they're out. That's but. why you don't, you don't want to see them. You just like to imagine. Yeah. I mean, and also, isn't it a little comical to imagine a drug explosive? Get up to the podium and just having Im- like everything else about her is disgusting, including I her picture her being similar. She has to- immaculate breasts. I picture her being similar to Jan from uh, The Office, that just has a bunch of aids that are little boy toys. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, and like, hey, pa, and he's like, no, the gardener's coming over. <laughs> <laughs> and then the gardener hits him with a hammer. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, because I mean, all the all the uh, all the right wing conspiracy theorists think Paul's gay anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how quickly that story just went away? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's because the the footage came out and there was nothing they could run with anymore. Oh, they tried though. They tried. Why is he holding a drink? Why was he holding a drink? Were they were Why they having the a little blew out? Were they having Inside a little the house? Gay escapade in there? Why would you be having a drink in that situation? <laughs> Fucking idiot. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to talk about tampons? Let's talk about tampons. Tampons? Some tampons. Uh, you guys know a little bit more about this story than me. I just thought that the premise of it is fucking hilarious, which is that uh, Idaho Republicans are waging a war essentially on tampons in, in, in schools. Tampons are woke, Corey. They're woke. They're too woke. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm looking at an article from The Hill, and it's labeled uh, Idaho Republicans Black Woke Free Tampons in School Proposal. Yeah, how much did it cost? $3.50 no, per like student. No, like the whole bill for the year. $300,000. No, it's costing seven hundred and fifty grand. No, so the initial well, installation well, for the first year yes. is $435,000. Yes. The following years would be about $300,000. Well, one, one payment's for like machines. And then three hundred thousand was just for tampons and women's products, right? So the four hundred thirty-five right. plus the three hundred for the first year would be seven hundred thirty-five thousand. Right. But the following years would be three hundred thousand dollars. Shit, that's not a lot of money. Not for how much money they just throw around in that state. And Idaho is projected to have a one point four billion dollar revenue surplus this year. So, so before we before we talk about the uh, the finances, why don't why don't you explain? What what I know Republicans think is woke about giving young young girls who are probably just entering adolescence the <clears throat> access to free well, tampons. It's, it's pretty 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 easy to explain, Dad. When you talk are to the trans rep- girls, going to try and shove them up their butt. <laughs> when you talk to Representative Heather Scott, she wants to know that this very liberal policy. Why are our schools so obsessed with the private parts of our children? 
What? And another Republican <laughs> legislator called language in the bill period poverty and menstrual equity woke terms. So there is the word woke again because woke is just a blanket term. Period poverty. And first of all, what the fuck is menstrual equity? They are just making words up now. They are just making up phrases. What is menstrual equity? Isn't that frustrating? There, it's like Democrats put wording like that in bills designed to make it fail just so they can go, oh, look, Republicans hate adolescent teens. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. And. And they want them just bleeding everywhere. <laughs> Dude, it's insane. It's like, no, the whole the whole tampon argument is absolutely insane. Like it's insane to me that like like Michigan, I think, finally got repealed their uh tampon tax a couple years ago. But like people like women start to pay taxes on a fundamental hygiene product. Yeah, I think honestly, like I have no issue with having feminine hygiene products be untaxable sort of like food i've no i have yeah, no cuz i'm pretty that. sure it's no, like that no for men's that. razors no they're taxed real quick real quick look up if me- maybe disposable ones but i think men's hygiene products aren't taxed look that up they're not yeah that's what i thought um Oh, maybe yeah, women's aren't then either. Then maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm I'm open to that idea that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking tampons about. Are the only thing that's sex. Uh, just tampons. Okay, so the defense behind and that is probably the fact that you don't have equalizing. Equalizing said, "Hey, I trust you too on the tampon topic. Customers know best." And you know what? When you're <laughs> when you're married, and you have a wife, a girlfriend, a kids. There are times where you do have to go buy tampons and you need to know the different brands and which ones to buy. So, yeah, I, I am a customer of tampons because I have to run out and get them for my wife from time to time. <laughs> no, you like them in your butt. They feel nice. They'll cushiony in there. You like them in your butt. Only when they're soaked in alcohol, Dan. <laughs> or cocaine. <laughs> or both. that kind of brings us back to the fact that if you were going to have a conservative uh pushback on giving young girls access to tampons in schools why don't you go with the money side of it instead of breaking out the whole woke thing the woke thing. Why does it always have to be woke? Because there is, I disagree with it, but there is an argument to be made that like from a budgetary perspective, this isn't a good way to spend money. That's the argument. If you're going to make the argument against Dude, tampons in school. So I, I got a story. That. It just popped in my head about tampons in uh, school. And I remember one time in the seventh grade, this girl in my class got her period for the first time. And she was where and that guy, <laughs> I remember sitting there just probably drawing on my paper, not paying attention. Corey's not naming names in this story, by the way. No, I'm not naming names. And (laughs) I, and I heard, I like, I happened to look over as this girl stood up and there was a puddle of blood in her seat and she hurry up and sat down. And then all of her friends who were girls ran over and helped her clear herself up. And she put a hoodie around her, around her waist. And we had a guy teacher and she walked up to the teacher goes, Hey, I need to go to the bathroom. And he's like, what? No, you just can't go to the bathroom. She's like, no, I really, really, really need to go. And she had to explain to him when the whole class was staring at her. 
and she she had her period. And I can imagine that being a pretty shitty situation in middle school for a girl to go through that could be yeah. circumvented by the fact that you could just buy tampons in the in the women's bathroom. Not as bad as the not as bad as the kid who shits his pants in in seventh grade and nobody ever forgets and nobody ever forgets about it. You know what? People actually <laughs> do forget those kind of stories. I remember one time I got poison ivy on my dick and I was scratching myself in class, and, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone thought I was jacking off. Talk about traumatizing situation. I got a boner in gym class once, <laughs> and I wasn't fucking yeah. poison ivy plants for the record. I was pulling weeds to make some extra cash for a trip to Cedar Point with my church. And as I'm pulling weeds, I didn't realize some of it was poison ivy. And then I ran to the bathroom to take a piss. And they went back out pulling weeds, and yes, got some uh, poison ivy oil on my dick. Bummer, dude. I got yeah, a boner in gym class once wearing basketball shorts. Bummer. No, no, it was actually, here's the thing. It was the best thing that ever happened. Like, to me I showed everyone. <laughs> no, here's the thing. So I, I took, I took a, I took a class my sophomore year in high school. It's called life sports. And it's basically about like, it's all, it's all sports that you can like, or activities that you can do all the way up into old age. And one of the activities we did was yoga. And I love doing yoga and I got a little too relaxed and uh, pitched a little bit of a tent. I was trying to hide it. Can't hide it in basketball shorts. Real hard to do, right? You got to like, tuck it into the band. I was just hoping people didn't notice. You do and they did. They absolutely did. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The rumor was that went around school was that the Dan band had a, a big dick. tennis. Yep. So it was like, boy. wow, it's super embarrassing. But best rumor ever, because I definitely don't have a giant dong. And I'm going... Who are these senior girls having sex with that they think this like fucking 125 pound <laughs> sophomore little white kid has a giant tong they're, and they're while they're all having sex with the 300 you know the 210 pound football players yeah that's a way better rumor than being labeled great rumor. <laughs> great rumor great rumor it was a great rumor it wasn't the it fact was... that like oh my god what a pervert to get a boner in class they were like wow did you see the size of that <laughs> no mine was like hey look at that fucking idiot he's a pervert i don't know if uh, a girl in high school and he got pinned and lost and he stood up mm. and he had a boner in his wrestling singlet <laughs> i felt so bad oh my god fucking high school is a trip dude that's the jungle right there so i guess anyway. in the very least we should be able to let the women have tampons, have tampons. in this get them out of the jungle <laughs> yeah it's good for everybody right so yeah, that for everyone kinda, <laughs> that actually kind of leads us into our next topic which is i guess more about culture wars and wokeism so right-wing pundits need dylan mulvaney like rachel maddow needs donald trump so this one is honestly your guys is i have i i can honestly say i have not seen one dylan mulvaney video but i will say that if you're one of those dumbasses out there buying Bud Light beer to just pour it down the sink. Just ship it to me. <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's like, I don't like Bud Light is not my choice of beer. I probably haven't bought Bud Light in years. But you'll take a free one. But if someone's only given to me for free, yeah. Those are the best Bud Lights. Yeah. I'll take a Modelo. Have it say she, her, he, him, they, them on a Z, there, whatever on the can. I don't give a fuck. 
And the reason why I'm even also even saying that is the fact that Bud Light doesn't give a fuck either. They sat in a room, they looked at their demographics, and someone in that room took all of that data and said, we might be able to make some money if we pander to this group and grift mm. and put a trans person on the cam. Because that's ultimately what this is. Bud Light doesn't give a shit if you're a redneck or if you're an inbred in the Appalachian Mountains or you're some limp-wristed liberal in New York who's never even held a shovel. As long as the money's green, they don't give a fuck. Wasn't that just it, right? This is a situation where Bud Light and Dylan Mulvaney are engaging in a thing called capitalism, which is something that I thought conservatives supported. Didn't you? I always thought that. I always thought that. so Republicans are the ones that are always talking about how they know the economy and they know how supply and demand works and stuff like that. And the people that are bitching about it, like Ben Shapiro and uh, Matt Walsh, of all people should know what it what what it means to grift based on their chocolates that they were selling a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a it, it, and, and, and the thing that's even more interesting than the fact that conservatives aren't understanding the fact that this is just basic capitalism is the fact that they're also using what have traditionally been quote unquote lefty tactics to deal with it. Boycott okay. Bud Light. Yeah. Michelle's here. She, she said, did you see the video of Kid Rock shooting up cases of Bud Light? I did. I did. He goes, he goes, grandpa's feeling a little frisky. Like, Oh, good job. You just gave Bud Light $150 and all that beer you bought to shoot with your gun. <laughs> Can we, but can we can we just admit and they that, weren't like, even they weren't even the fucking heat hurricanes. They were cans from before. <laughs> can we just admit that? And that's all one thing to do is use outrage to make money. Yeah, that's all. That's, that's all, all anybody is. does anymore. On the, on, on the cultural left from, and the cultural right. And the, yeah, and like Michelle just said, they made one can and sent it to her. It's not even a it's not even a case I can go out and buy. Or you yeah, but they also by. they 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 also did confirm that there is going to be an ad campaign. I don't know what the hell that's going to consist of or whatever, but Bud Light did did confirm that yeah they're working with Dylan Mulvaney on this. So I don't know what that means. I don't know. Maybe they'll pull the plug on it. Maybe they just wanted to use this as a publicity stunt to help you know. And and Dylan Mulvaney was like, oh yeah, this sounds great. Here's a way to piss off conservatives. I'll t- I'll take part in that too. I I don't know. But at the end of the day, it's like. It just goes back to the cultural hypocrisy that both sides have. They use the same fucking tactics. They bitch about the same stuff, right? When it's when it's Twitter kicking off conservative uh, uh, voices, well, that's just a private company doing what it wants to do. And then you know when Bud Light works with Dylan Mulvaney, it's it's uh, conservatives on are, are doing the same thing. Wait, I think I just used the wrong examples. <laughs> Sorry, I caught a little bit of a buzz. No, get uh, it in a post. Just get it in a post. Ah, get it in a post. <laughs> but you, you, you know what I mean, though. Like you, you hit, oh yeah, you, no, like like, you like, said, like right? conservatives bitch about boycotting when it comes to, I don't know. Uh, I don't even think conservatives understand what boycotting means because boycotting just means not buying the product. Right. Boycotting doesn't mean buying the product just to get some cloud online to show that you don't like it by buying it and then burning it or shooting it. Right. And then, yeah, and actually giving the money to the... <laughs> You're yeah. still giving the money. I hate you so much. I'm going to hate spend this money and I'm going to hate burn it just to, just to stick it to the limbs. 
Well, so often uh, conservatives see boycotting as like some like censorship deal. Like, oh, they're trying to censor us again. And then they go out and they want to boycott things like Bud Light or they, you know, they want to boycott Pixar or Wayfair because there's like apparently some because uh, of some goofy pedophile ring. He was literally triggered. Kid Rock just wants people to buy his beer. What's his beer? The badass? What's a, his beer <laughs> That's is right. Yeah, badass. Yeah. Clinton well, so is Bud Light. That's so is Bud Light. Oh, yeah. But, I would never buy Bud Light. So I'm a Miller Light boy. Do you know Bud Light on their can actually has to put L-I-G-H-T because Miller Light was the first uh, Miller was the first company to come out with a light beer and they trademarked L-I-T-E. Mm-hmm. Little fun fact for you. Spread yeah. that around. Tell your friends at the next next uh, little shindig. He's, he's just put Bud Diet. Diet Bud. <laughs> Diet Bud. I don't even like Budweiser. Budweiser tastes like well water to me. <sighs> it's fine. It's it means it's all garbage, but it's I do it's like right. it. You like Budweiser, really? Nah, it tastes like well water to me. I like it better than uh, High Life. But can we also talk about the fact? <laughs> get get out. That. Oh, I disagree with that Bell, as well. Bell just got fired live on the air. <laughs> yeah, dude. If I'm if I'm going piss water, I'm going either High Life or PBR. Yeah. Do you remember, so now we're going on a little bit of a tangent here, but do you remember game day when 7-Eleven had their own beer? I do remember that. I don't know if I ever tried it. It was like six bucks for a 12-pack. Did you enjoy it? No, I was like 22 years old just trying to get drunk and talk (laughs) to chicks. So like, I didn't give a shit. We were shotgunning them the whole time. Followed up with a obviously it wasn't liquor. Yeah, obviously <laughs> it wasn't great. They don't make it anymore. A Mickey's forty right after that. Oh yeah, no man, Mad Dog. Oh God, my, Mad my Dog and a pint of Admiral Nelson. My high school girlfriend's dad bought that by the thirty pack, and, it, and I would dog. steal one every once in a while. And it was the most disgusting beer. To watch a Dylan Mulvaney video. <laughs> 30 mad dogs. Wait, yeah. Well, no, no. So Bell brings up a good point. Like, I still think Dylan Mulvaney is an absolute, like, uh, cultural grifter. I, oh, yeah, I he's, he's no different than kind of what we of, do. He's just oh, trying to make extreme. money. And don't misgender. Don't misgender. She. Who said he? You did. <laughs> oh, I meant she. I'm sorry. You want me to roll back to the tape? That. Yeah, I'm not an <laughs> asshole. I don't mean to misgender people. I could think that, a, that she as a transgender woman is a grifter, a failed actor who found a niche. I can say that I'll still call her. She though. Like if I met her in person, I wouldn't be like, Oh, you know, I wouldn't be a dick. I would still respect the person as a person. I would still stand in a fucking protest and the picket line for her to have her right to say that she's a, she and trying to live her life. But mm-hmm. I would still be like, I, I, I would be next to her being like, I think you're a grifter, but I still think you deserve your rights. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's well, and that's the thing is like being being a grifter is not illegal. You know, no. if, if people if people are willing to give her money to stand around and go. And then good for her. She's making a lot more money days, than we are. 200 days of girlhood. Let's normalize the bulge. You know, we, we can we can we can support that, but it's. It's just like, I also understand the side of, 
feminists or even trans activists. I think, I think bell, I think you had mentioned this before the show, even certain trans people are like, this isn't fucking good for our cause. This is oh, no, actually me that mentioned it. Yeah, no, I saw a lot in the comments of people say that like what she's doing, she's just kicking up stones and kicking up dust yes, in yes. situations to where there doesn't necessarily need to be dust kicked up. Because mm-hmm. as evidenced by it, like we're seeing uh like not like there's millions of trans people out there that are just trying to live their life and not be a part of this whole culture war thing. Mm-hmm. And then you just you my know, cousin noise, is one of them, by the way. The noisy, not numerous, are out there causing, or not. I don't want to say causing, but making so much noise that Republicans feel that well, we don't have any other policy. <laughs> we don't have any policy to run on, so I guess we'll just attack this because it makes us uncomfortable. And it just it makes the people who are claiming to be victim when there's a bunch of laws that protect them. Uh, become actual victims because they're pushing their ideology in other people's faces so much that people feel that people on the right are so clutching onto their pearls so much that they feel like they have to make legislation to stop it. When yeah, it's all it, culture, like, it has nothing to do with law. It has nothing yeah. to do with infringing on your rights, but it makes you so uncomfortable because it's forced on you that you feel like you have to make laws to block it. Which I think is almost the definition of fascism, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, for a long time, I thought about the trans movement like, like it was kind of the new uh, gay movement because, like, homosexuality at this point, outside of like religious zealots, is pretty much just accepted. Like nobody gives a shit really if anybody's gay at this point. Like nobody cares. But I think. And to the point where it's like, okay, it's going to take a generation. It's going to take a little while for for society to kind of get used to, just like homosexuality did when people finally really started to come out in the 80s, the late 80s, and definitely through the 90s. Um, we started to kind of normalize homosexuality. Obviously, you had uh, Ellen come out on her TV show. You had Rosie O'Donnell come out on her TV show all in the 90s. And it didn't take long before... Most of society is pretty is, is pretty accepting of homosexuality. I mean, g- gay marriage is legal uh, nationwide. It's not really a, a, that much of a fight anymore. Obviously, you have vocal minorities of people that are that still hate gay people, of course. But the noisy, this, not numerous. Yeah, this. But this to me is just a little bit different because you do have the you do have the part where. You're dealing with children making decisions to make permanent changes to their body, and it makes people nervous. And we don't have rightfully the so when it comes to the children. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. But they, if a kid just came out as gay in the '90s, that's very different. It's like you're not okay if they just if they just turn out not to be gay in ten years. Well, whatever. They just they aren't gay anymore. And nobody, you know, nobody was harmed. But if you know, if somebody comes out as trans as a child and you pump chemicals into their body or hormones or perform surgeries on them. And then 10 years later they they went, Oh shit, that was a mistake. Well, you can't just go back to being what you were before. And I think that's the new difference between the gay movement of the nineties and what we're seeing now. It's something new because it's for the first time in our country's history, I believe that a, a minority group has a bank note behind it that's in virtually the billions 
we're usually a minority that tries to rise up, has billions of dollars trying to stifle them. When you talk about black people trying to get their freedom from slavery, black people trying to get their right to vote, even gay people trying to get their right to marry. This one, it's been flipped in reverse because you have industries like the healthcare industry and all these other big industries behind them trying to push it through. So it does. It's it's created a lot of uh, whirlwinds in the country, and it's uh, you know, like and like we talked about on the show millions of times at this point, to where it's like we absolutely uh, defend the right for someone to be trans, but it's like there needs to be a pause on this. We need to figure out what exactly is going on. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. And he's with, uh, me. He's with me, Bell. The, I'm that? with you. And uh, look, it's it's another one of those situations where both things can be true. You know, the right loves Dylan Mulvaney. I mean, especially the Daily Wire. They love Dylan. Mulvaney. Oh yeah, because it, well, because it's low hanging fucking video. Every what other fucking the, video. What was it before ahead, Dylan Mulvaney? Rihanna Super Bowl show. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah because she was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. dying. Yeah, and that's that's just it. Like that's exactly like what it says. The right wing pundits need Dylan Mulvaney, like Rachel Maddow needs Donald Trump. They need something to bitch about because it makes their jobs easier. You know, so they could have a show like ours that's not as sexy when we're talking about the nuance of something like uh what were we talking about a little bit ago? Like what Scott says, like Supreme Court stuff. Like that stuff's not as sexy, it's not as angered. Well, Corey, and I think a lot of that is, and I and I I honestly I don't mean to have like some holier than thou take here. I hope people understand. You and I, we don't make any money doing this. This isn't why, and it's not even why we do it. Like I, I hope we can make some money at some point doing this, but that's not why we do it. It's not why we have almost a hundred goddamn episodes without it's without raking in a, for us <laughs> without raking in a single dime. You know, and it and it's it's really what it is. It's really the difference. I mean, Jeremy's chocolates, Jeremy's razors. Like you're not kidding anybody, Daily Wire. You're not kidding anybody with what you're trying to do. You're not kidding anybody, Dylan Mulvaney, with what you're trying to do. Fucking selling tickets to a goddamn Broadway yeah, show. Occupy Democrats. Two, yeah. Talk yeah. about to talk about your 200 days of girlhood. Like fuck all of you. Back to the <laughs> basics. Sorry. So yeah, it is. It's very <laughs> true. Yeah. Like what? Do you, yeah. Laugh out of madness. You're they all suck. They all suck. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of suck, how about the the. Bell, did you have a video on you did have a video on this, the raid on the Tennessee Capitol last week? I have not oh. seen this. I am familiar with the story now after talking to you guys about it for a couple of weeks for a couple of weeks. So yeah, we can start we we can start with that. Oh, where is play? What is going on? Or, no, I don't know. What do you need me to set it up for you? <clears throat> Full screen that bitch. I guess we're just raiding capitals now. Oh. So well, while, while Bell looks for this, I'll, I'll, I'll set it up. So I don't remember what day was this. There was a raid on the Tennessee Capitol. Uh, it was either March 29th or March 30th, I believe. Okay, so about a week ago, as we record on April 5th, this is, this is a, uh, a, a, a situation where folks on the left were raiding the Tennessee State Capitol to protest gun rights, correct? Right. Yep. And now, now to keep everything as fair as possible... Uh, the uh, the House Majority Leader of the Republican Party did say it was peaceful overall. Mm-hmm. That 
they there wasn't any arrests there was no damage to the property they didn't actually make it onto the floor but they did this they essentially they did they they breached the capitol building they got inside they're up in the balconies and in the uh lobby there to protest uh this video was taken gun rights or gun control or whatever but so what the issue is that republicans have with this and the reason why they're calling this an insurrection is because three Democrat uh, representatives broke decorum, broke the rules and procedures of the House floor, and took the podium, like forced themselves onto the podium with a bullhorn and started like chanting like uh, protest uh, mantras and doing things like that. And uh, the, the video is right here. So go ahead and play that video, Bell. say you can go ahead and stop it there because like you can't really understand what they're saying no but you know uh, here's what's stupid about like who are they talking to you know it's one of those situations of like all the there was there was probably hundreds if not thousands in the balcony but like but you you so so who are you talking to who are you trying to convince because the people in the balcony that came into the building already already agree with you you. all of the democrats already there or maybe not all of them but a good majority of the democrats already there probably already agree with you like when you go in with a bullhorn in that situation, in a situation that requires decorum, you who are you screaming to? And yeah, and yeah, that's like, what that, Corey, before you go, I just before you go ahead and, and, and say what you gotta say, like this is the kind of shit that drives me nuts. This is all for fucking clout. Like, you don't think that those Democrats that stormed, and I would say the same thing if it was Republicans, right? Do you don't think the people that 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 stormed to the front of that uh, chamber with a bullhorn screaming. You don't think that the only reason they were doing that was to boost their own fucking social credit score? You don't think? Oh, that, absolutely. You're not. You're not convincing anyone in that because room. Here's the thing: all those people that are in there yelling that type of stuff, right? They're in there protesting gun rights, and I'm not going to disparage their views on it because of the fact that, like, they're obviously there because, like, a lot of them brought their kids with them and stuff like that, like. They're generally scared. You know, they're scared for their children. Like I drop my kids off at school 
you guys need to make sure that they're protected. So I get them yelling and things like that. But you know who is in there actually like voting on it to make it happen is those very people. And we live in a country that's based on constitutional law and it gives us so much freedom. But on the very backstop of that freedom is those people keeping decorum and doing their jobs in a house and to just completely just ignore that and go up on that stage or go up on into the well, they called it, you know, it's the podium and break the rules and procedures there. You're just showing all your representatives that the rule of law and procedure and basic decency doesn't fucking matter. God, we sound like boomers. That does make me sound like a boomer, <laughs> but you know what? There are certain things that are like that need to have rules. If this happened in my city, I probably would be one of the protesters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if I was a representative, I wouldn't be with a blowhorn because I'm going to get ten- plenty of time to stand there on that podium and say shit. And then my voice, my one vote in that house represents thousands of people that I have so much more power with that vote than any of them ever do. The reason why they're up there yelling in the first place is because they don't have the power that I have. Mm. Yeah, and and so I, th- I think it's that's one of the issues that I think we have when it comes to the most contentious issues that we have in this country. So if we think about them, just just spitballing here, right? Like, um, oh, Bell uh, just said you'd think that a lawmaker that goes in there with a megaphone would have known that people were going to storm the building. That's a good point. Yeah, it's it's a little 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 bit conspiratorial, but honestly. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, and so, like, and what's interesting too is the Republican, the Republican House Majority Leader. Uh, let me find my article right here. Um, so uh, I forget his first name. It's Sexton. Um, I forget his last name, but he's the House Majority Leader. But he goes, he goes, no, he's like all the protesters were peaceful. There was no property damage. Uh, no one was arrested. He goes, but those three people, the representatives, he goes, I want them expelled. Mm. So now they're trying to make a motion to get them out. And then one of them, actually, I forget the guy's name, so I'm not going to just say it to make sure it's either Pearson or uh, the other one with the P. Uh, he threw water or liquid, uh, liquid from a cup on a Republican lawmaker while he was in, in the house. And it's like, and the when the world is on fire, those representatives are the firemen trying to quell the fires and keep some sort of decorum and you know rationality in the country. We look when at you're that and you go, shit, it's it's just not good. Imagine, imagine if, and this is in no way defense of this person, but imagine if Marjorie Taylor Greene had done something like that on, on, the, on the on the federal scale. I that's what I'm saying. Like even even somebody like Marjorie Taylor Yell Greene from her seat, be a dumbass a all day long, fucking idiot, and an awful representative for her constituents. But they're too stupid to know it. Uh, even she would never pull a stunt. Well, that like was that. generalization, Dan. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. And in this case, I'm not going to apologize for it <laughs> because I've seen what her uh, what her voter base looks like. Anyway, yeah, I'm an asshole there. I was probably wrong. I should probably apologize, but I'm not going to. You need uh, to make a well-crafted statement. You don't statement. need to. You know why? Because we have come a long way from Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson, bro. They were throwing <laughs> chairs at each other, 
threatening each other's <laughs> lives. There, everybody's pulling guns on each other in Congress. You know, it's interesting you say that because I actually going to bring that up. Like, like I was going to say, this is a kickback where like there needs to be decorum in the House based on our representatives. There needs to be a sort of like there needs to be procedure, rule, law, decorum there. Because we're all the assholes that are out there in the streets kicking over trash cans and smashing windows. Those are the ones that need to like have like a sense of uh like pause. They're the ones that are supposed to have be the reason the voice of reason. Right. And for them to do the same shit, it reminds me of the eight like right leading up to the Civil War when they were all in there fighting each other and kicking each other and stabbing each other and shooting each other with guns and things like that on the Capitol floor. Um, like that's how the whole Republican party came to fruition. You know that, right? It used to be the democratic, the democratic Republican party. No, that split up. It was the democratic party and the Whigs. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the Whigs were a bunch of bitches. And anytime the Whigs brought up, uh, trying to get rid of, uh, slavery, the Democrats would just literally call duels and beat the shit out of them. To where the Republican Party came up and they're like, we'll go in there and fight them too. Like, that's fine. We'll go and beat the shit out of them. And then when the Republicans showed up and started fighting the Democrats, basically is when all the Democrats in the southern states like seceded. So what you're saying is that the Whigs were like a past version. They of were a people. bunch of limp-wristed limp lily lickers, Dan. You just ruined my joke. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to call them the uh, the colonial version of soy boys. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. They Stop would, interrupting they would... me when I'm trying to make a joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that every time you go to make a joke, I make a better one. <laughs> I'm just teasing being a Fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing about like the what they were protesting in the first place, right? Because I think this is just this is such a contentious issue. With, along with abortion and the thing that most folks don't understand about contentious issues in politics is that or or cultural issues is that they're so contentious because both sides have good points right when you talk about abortion both sides have good points they have very salient points they have very salient concerns that's why it's such a contentious issue i think guns is another one of those things because when you when you are, I can't imagine being the parent of somebody who's murdered in a, 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 a in a school shooting. I can't imagine what that fucking feels like, and I, I, I could look at that and go, "Okay, if my child and I don't even have kids, but you guys both do, if Allegedly. your child, <laughs> if your child was murdered by a school shooter, you could totally understand." maybe not yourselves, but other parents that went through the same thing with you going, man, I fucking hate guns. Like yeah. it's, it's honestly, it's honestly a, like a legitimate reaction to a situation like that. And I think that's, that's part of the problem that the gun advocacy people have is that I don't think they have enough empathy for the feelings that people have when, they go through these tragic situations. You can disagree with it and say, well, they like, do. I don't think they just I, say thoughts and prayers. Right. But they don't, they don't actually understand the sentiment of, 
I man, I fucking hate guns because a gun killed my kid. That's an absolutely legitimate reaction. Think about if you're walking through a field and a rattlesnake bites your toddler on the ankle and he dies. And you go, man, I fucking hate rattlesnakes, right? You would hate that. You, like, you, you, like you could understand that parent having that reaction. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't think there's enough empathy for that. Like you, like, and, and there can be no, a legitimate no, there is, conversation. Dan, all the Republicans come out every time and say thoughts and prayers. Nah, that's not. That's bullshit. That's just their way of getting out of actually having thoughts a legitimate prayers, conversation. Dan. But they just react to it. Like we all know. And then I think folks on the left with guns or the anti-gun people, I think they need to have a little bit more understanding that like, dude, you're going to have to fucking live with guns. Like that they're not going away regardless. Like it, if, if you made guns illegal tomorrow, or at least the sale, because you wouldn't be able to make guns illegal, but you could make the sale of firearms somehow illegal tomorrow. How long do you think it's going to take before all the guns are gone? Because everybody that already has guns still has their guns. It's not illegal to own them. It's just illegal to buy and sell them. They're not going to be gone tomorrow. They're not going to be gone in a decade. They're not going to be gone in two decades. So the anti-gun folks, what do you mean? What won't happen? What wouldn't happen? happen. I mean, it would would be illegal, but people would still be buying and selling firearms. Of course, of course. So that's the conundrum because like, ultimately... Any law but, put in place by guns is gonna only only the ones who follow it are law abiding citizens in the first place. Well, do you th- there's these things that happen so much that the government realizes that they can't stop marijuana for one, right? Legalize. And that's it. what I mean. That's what I mean. I think I think that's that's the major disconnect for me is that folks on the right need to have a little bit more empathy for the feelings of people that have that hate guns because of a tragic situation that happened to them or their family. And I think folks on the left need to realize, dude, you're going to have to live with these fucking things. They ain't going anywhere. I, if, I personally, I'm someone that believes you should be able to own any gun that you want, but I'm also a firm believer in selling those guns to the appropriate people. See, we have that, to figure out. Even that, you would have certain gun advocacy people that yes. would vehemently disagree with you. I know. <laughs> that's okay. So, and that's the thing is like <clears throat> that's the thing that I, that's another thing that I think is missing on the the anti gun side is that they don't even realize that people that are pro gun have serious disagreements even within their own communities as far as like what gun rights are, you know what. Uh, what laws make what laws make sense and don't make sense what laws are okay which ones aren't and what uh what gun safety represents like you guys are a little you guys are more into guns than me and even i know that like even no dan i don't like guns i don't own any i lost them all in a boating accident damn it but you know you fucker fucker. stealing everyone's jokes call me the joke The joke miser. But, but you know what I mean? Like gun people <laughs> even have disagreements amongst themselves about what makes sense and what doesn't, right? Yeah. Like I don't believe in red flag laws or anything like that. That's a thought crime. <laughs> yeah. Like DUI. <laughs> but 
there's a lot of cases where people obviously shouldn't have guns where they went into a store and legally bought a gun. Like a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something we can, uh, even as people without a government can agree. That's a slippery slope though. Cause where do you draw the line? Like My who's qualified that, to own a gun and who's not? It's tough. It's, when people when people are guilty of domestic like domestic violence, go into a store and buy a gun. That's a problem. So all of those things, like those are always valid valid, very, very valid points. My thing is always like, okay. Now who decides that? Exactly. Committing domestic violence. No, but if the person is already unhinged enough to, to to go commit domestic violence, they think that they're okay enough to own a gun. Okay, true. Who decides who does and doesn't get a gun? No, I get your point. Well, and, and domestic and violence nobody even... can ever answer that question. If somebody had a valid like a question of that, that yeah, would put decides? my apprehension and my cynicism of our government at ease, then I would be on board. That's my but when people are like, oh, red flag laws, you know, this and this and that, like you need to see a therapist before you get a gun and stuff like that. And it's like, all right, but who decides? The who, government? Because yeah. fuck that. The government thinks that stopping frisks on random people and citizens that circumvent their constitution is okay. The government thinks it's perfectly fine to just spy on you and I without a warrant, completely destroying our constitutional rights. And that is why... And that's why the conundrum happens because that when there's gun rights contents, contents. and guns, gun rights and guns are a contentious issue because both sides have things don't become contentious issues without both sides having a really good fucking argument. Like we all agree that murder is bad. Nobody's defending murderers. Like murder is not a contentious issue. Abortion is because both sides have good points. Guns. Are, it's a contentious issue because both sides have good points. Yeah. And I think that's, we have to start recognizing what causes a contentious issue is that you have to fuck, you have to steel man the other side and have a good faith discussion that you can both walk away in disagreement, but at least understanding. Yeah. And that's the problem. And, and, and that's what's going to say to me too, is like, we're going back to what I was saying. And like, when we say who, you know, I could be sitting there and talking to someone, they go, there's got to be, there's got to be a way that we can circumvent some of these shooting. And it's like, absolutely. And then it goes into like red flag laws and stuff. And it's like, but who decides that? And no one has an answer and people get frustrated. Rightfully so, because that is a weird question to be asked. Like who does that? Because no one has an answer for that question. This isn't fuck. It's not fucking minority report. Right. (laughs) We we don't have that technology. Like how many times has someone who's (laughs) been a shooter has been on the FBI watch list? Mm-hmm. Or the gun was illegal or stolen from their parents. I'm okay with like now in that situation. I'm okay with parents being held liable because they're irresponsible gun owners that their parents got a hold of the gun. That shouldn't even be a conversation. Yeah. Like oh oh a nine year old went and shot up his class. Oh where did he get the gun? Well, it was his parents. Oh what did his parents just not properly secure the gun and be responsible gun owners? That's negligence. They don't have to be like the kid, you know, murder parents negligence. They don't have to like take 
some crazy. Well, you know what, Corey? You know what, Corey? I don't mean to play devil's advocate here, but there's a slippery slope even for that, right? Because what if that nine-year-old, instead of going to get his parents' gun, just decides to like slip a kitchen knife in his pocket or in his uh, in his uh, bag without mom or dad knowing about it and stabs a kid in school? That's true. No, you're you right. Know, you're it's, right. All- because it's all about the intent, not the weapon. Right, but right. are you still doing your part as a parent? Yeah, the, the court of law, they, the parents would be innocent yeah. going into that courtroom, and they'd right. be proven guilty that there was negligence or foul play. If Fair they enough, had knives and a knife block on a counter, and like, you still gotta be that's where you keep your knives. Like Everyone's like, yeah, that's where I keep my knives. Where do you keep your pistol? Well, I have kids, so I keep it in my little safe. You know, you keep a loaded pistol on the table and then your kid doesn't even shoot up a school, but shoots his friend because they're playing with it, thinking they're cowboys and Indians. And he kills his friend. That was negligence on the parents part. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was it. That was a f- yeah from two gun advocates. That's what I mean. Like, because you guys, you guys both understand that the anti-gun people have good points. Yes. Because they do. They have good points. My kids are not getting my guns. That's right now. Like, I have guns. You're I'm away from them. them. You're away from them, and you're yeah, still confident they're, they're not going to touch them. No, they're not. They never, even, even if they could. My kids, my, well, my older one, and I got a little one. She doesn't know anything about them. But my older one. Even if I left him out, he would be scared to death of it. He knows what it is. And you're not training her yet? What? You're not training her yet? No. So my <laughs> so I let me elaborate. So my son hasn't touched like any of my actual real guns. But I got him a couple nerf guns and I've just been driving into his head. Trigger control, where you point the barrel. It's lo- always treat it like it's loaded. Don't point it at your own face. That's just something that I've been doing with my kid. Oh. Fair enough. Good, 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 good way to end the show. Good conversation. Corey, before we go, tell the people where they can find us. Love sort of podcast. It's found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. And you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. Give us a oh. rating and tell a friend, just your best friend, that friend that you actually talk about this stuff with. Be like, hey, I heard. No, seriously, if you're if you're this far into the show, podcasts do grow best through word of mouth. I mentioned it earlier on in the show. Corey and I don't make any money. We hope to at some point, but right now we don't. We talk about this stuff because we give a shit. We talk about this stuff because we care. And the best way to grow a podcast is through word of mouth. So if you even just tell one person, you know, share it, shoot it to them in a text message. If you liked it, if you liked any of our previous episodes, uh, we always appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, for Bell, the body snatcher, he's been Corey Walsh. He's been Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative. And until next time, we are out of here. We the people cannot end that.